so good to me. Amen. I thank Him for everything that He has done. In the good times, in the bad times. Amen. When the sanctuary is fixed and when it's not fixed. Amen. When the church is here and when they're not here. Well, come on somebody. Amen. I want to welcome all of our guests that are with us today. And those of us that are here, we welcome all those of you that are watching with us online today. We're glad that you are with us. Uh, we know that many times people check us out before they come in person. And uh, so we welcome you. We, we hope that you enjoy what you feel online. And uh, if you like what you feel online, it gets better in person. Amen. So come see us soon. Amen. And uh, today we want to continue our series called Overbooked. Uh, last Sunday we discussed releasing our worry. Anybody need to release some worry? Nobody. Everybody's good, man. Woo. We must have we must have done good last Sunday. Then nobody's got any worries this Sunday. Awesome, awesome, good. Well, we know that uh, a lot of times people get the the worries of life that kind of just weigh down on them so heavy, and uh, it it takes our mind off of God. So instead of you know looking to ourselves and to our neighbors, our co-workers uh, for help, we should look to God. Amen? Amen. And uh, we don't want Him to uh, think we don't care. We're not looking to Him. But when we look to Him, Amen, He does incredible things in our lives. So today we're going to continue this, this series, Overbooked. And I, I want us to talk about our priorities. Okay? And this may seem like, you know, Pastor, this is... This is good, but overbooked. You know, priorities. Look, your priorities are so important because a lot of times we get our priorities out of whack. And because our priorities are out of whack, we tend to get so overbooked with everything else in life. So today I want to talk about our priorities and how greed tries to pervert our thinking. Now, some of you, I already can hear you. You're like, well, I'm not greedy, so this is not even going to apply to me. Check yourself. Hold on, okay? We're not in it yet. Just give me a second. But this is what I, this is the whole point of what I'm going to try to say in the next few minutes. Don't sacrifice your walk with God for money or material possessions. It's not worth it. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, say, it's not worth it. Amen. That's what I'm going to be preaching today. So let's read together 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Amen. 1 Timothy 6, 6-10 says, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these... Oh, I wish that was our motto. <laughs> with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now let's go down to verse 17, the same chapter. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up, what does it say, for themselves the treasure 
of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Amen. Amen. Jesus, thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for what You've already done in this place and Your presence that we feel. God, we pray that You'd move on our hearts in a mighty way, God, and help us to understand when it comes to greed, it's just not worth it. And God, we'll give You the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say Amen. 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 You may be seated. In the book of Genesis chapter 13, uh, I would encourage you to read through that uh, at some point if you haven't already. How many of you know the story of Lot and Abraham? And you've heard that story. The story of Lot and Abraham is very simply this. God had called Abraham to go to a country that he was preparing for him. A promised land, so to speak. And so he calls Abraham out from his family, from his country, from his kindred to go to a place that he had prepared, a special place. And and he said, leave your family behind. But Abraham uh, chose to take Lot, his nephew, with him. And so because God's blessings were upon Abraham, uh, Abraham and his flocks and his herds and everything that he had was so blessed. Well, because Lot was with him, that included Lot's flocks and his herds and his family. And so it got to the place in Genesis chapter 13 that it says that they, they had so much. Abraham had so much and Lot had so much that Abraham said, look, uh, it's gotten to the place where now our, our, our herdsmen are... Our, our, you know, people that are working for us, they're fighting because uh, this is, we have so much, you have so much, and I have so much, and this place that we're staying right now, the land is not big enough to hold us. And so he said, look, this is what we need to do. I, I need to do what God told me to do and keep moving. And I need to move to the place that He's calling me to. So I, I'm going to give you your choice. Whatever, whatever place that you want to go, I'm going to go the opposite so that our flocks and herds have enough place to water and to to be able to flourish. And so he gave Lot the choice. And Lot chose, the Bible says, he chose the well-watered plains of Jordan. And if you read through Genesis 13, you kind of see that it's very evident. Uh, Verse 10 says that Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw all the valley of Jordan, that it was well-watered everywhere. Now, it goes on to say this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I want to just kind of throw this in here because sometimes we get lost in the narrative. But the the whole point was they had so much already. And Lot simply was choosing to move his family in a direction that was spiritually not going to be good for them because of the chance of getting more. It was a well-watered plain. It was a lush place. It was a nice place. It was a comfortable place. His his fox and his herds could grow. And so I want to just encourage you today as you look at the story that Jesus is being very specific throughout His His Word to us that we have to guard against greed. Because it's dangerous. It it is. And I know some people say, well, I'm, I'm not greedy and... You know, I don't understand what you're talking about. Going after stuff. Somebody say stuff. Stuff. Going after stuff at the expense of your relationship with God. And I wish that you would just really get this into your spirit today. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. You know, Luke 12, 15 in the New Living Translation says, Then He said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. And then He says, Life is not measured by how much you own. 
Matthew 6.24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. (laughs) I wish y'all could know what it's like to have to preach on greed the Sunday after Black Friday. (laughs) I'm I'm not talking about just any Sunday of the year. I'm talking about the worst Sunday of the year to preach on greed. Amen. Amen. Why? Because it's so necessary, right? Not, not, Not only... Is it Black Friday? But some of you are still recovering from turkey coma. So, you know, it's, it's doubly challenging today. But preaching on greed is not easy. Everyone, almost everyone agrees. Greed is bad. How many of you would say greed is bad? Amen. Okay, good. And a lot of you will sit back today and you'll say, we're against it, preacher, so preach against it. Pastor, we, we, we're all quick, right, to judge other people and say, man, you know, uh, at least I'm not like them. Did you see that expensive new car that they're driving into the parking lot today? How can they justify that with all the needy people in the world, you know? But few of us admit, I have a problem with greed. We tend to shrug off greed by comparing ourselves with those who are richer than us and, and we think that greed is their problem. When I'm a multimillionaire pastor, I'll worry about it. <laughs> Yet what we need to realize is that Paul, when he was writing his, his letters, he wrote the book of Colossians. He wrote that whole book that, that was just a letter. And you know what? He wrote that letter to the church at Colossae, which was just average Christians in an average small town church. Right. <laughs> now wait, wait. Paul's talking about greed to Christians who, who didn't have you know fancy cars and fancy houses. Absolutely. He told them that they must put to death their sinful nature with regard to greed, which amounts to, and he says in Colossians 3, 5, idolatry. If greed was a problem for them in that culture, then you know surely we who live in this prosperous nation must come to grips with greed. But it's not an easy subject to understand, and so that's why I wanted to take today and kind of go through it a little bit, because I need it, you need it, we all need it. Are we being greedy? Look, look at your neighbor. Say, are you being greedy? Is it greedy to live in a nice, spacious home furnished with all kinds of modern conveniences of modern life when there are millions around the world living in shacks with no indoor plumbing? Are we being greedy when we have nice cars in our driveways and expensive toys in our garages? And I mean, where do we draw the line? How can we keep greed from becoming our God? Paul is saying that Christians must radically separate themselves from all kinds of greed. Okay, now, some of you are getting real nervous, so don't don't get too nervous on me. Today I want to answer four questions in the next few moments. I want to answer, what is greed? Number two, how should Christians view greed and wealth? Number three, how can I know if I'm greedy? And number four, how can I deal with my greed? Does that sound fair? Alright, so question number one, what is greed? Well, greed is simply the insatiable desire to have more money or possessions for self-gratification while ignoring God and eternity. That's a simple definition. Webster actually defines it as excessive or reprehensible acquisitiveness. I wouldn't use that word, but he does. It defines the synonym covetous as marked by inordinate desire for wealth or possessions or for another's possessions. 
So the problem for me is that those terms are, are kind of subjective. Most of us would say, I don't have excessive, reprehensible, inordinate desires. Pastor, I'm fine. I would just like a little bit more. And more. And more. <laughs> Do you notice that? It never stops with what we thought we wanted. It always develops into something more. In Mark 7, 21 and 22, Jesus mentions a long list of sins. And in those list of sins, He includes deeds of coveting, which He says come from our hearts. So greed is not primarily concerned with the amount, but rather with the attitude and the motives. The poor can be just as greedy as the rich. Are you with me? So I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to live in a house when other people around the world are living in checks. I'm not saying that. So don't read into what I'm saying. Greed is the attitude that's never quite satisfied that says, all I want is a little bit more. We see this in the parable Jesus told in Luke 12, 13-21. A man in the crowd said to Jesus, Jesus, hey, uh, teacher, good master, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. You know, being the fair person that most people perceive Jesus to be, you would have probably expected Jesus to say, hey, bring that scoundrel brother of yours here. Let me have a talk with him. And he would have confronted him about his greediness. But instead, Jesus tells the man with the complaint this. He says, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he told the whole crowd in Luke 12, 15, after this, he says, beware, be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Hmm. So then Jesus goes on to tell the story of the man who had too many crops and is already full barns. He planned to build bigger barns and when he congratulated himself that he had stored up plenty for years to come and God says, Luke 12, 20, You fool! This very night your soul is required of you and now who will own what you have prepared? Jesus concluded in verse 21, So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The man was content even though he had plenty. He wanted more and more and more. And it's clear that he intended to keep all of this for himself. That's why he was building bigger barns. He was not thinking about God's kingdom. He was not thinking about the needs of others. That's greed. So there's a story uh, I, I came across not too long ago about a financier who was visited by an angel. And the angel told him that he would grant him one wish. The businessman, he said, I'd like to have a copy of the financial news one year in advance. I want a, a newspaper just a year in advance. And he's thinking, man, if I knew some of this, I, if I had some insider information, boy, I could make some good deals. As he was greedily scanning the stock prices, drooling over the killing he would make on his investments, his eye glanced across the page to the obituaries where he saw his own name. And suddenly his investments didn't quite matter so much. You see, greed, what it tends to do is it puts a wrong value on temporary things. It treats temporal things as if they and we will endure on earth forever. But in fact, we would die today. If we would die today, uh, we could and all of our things could just be taken from us instantly. So really, when, when you keep that in mind, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. I wish somebody would just tell somebody like a preacher, tell them, say, it's just not worth it. You know, 
It's just not. There's no such thing as financial security in this world. Greed also treats eternal things as if they aren't real uh, and will never happen. But when we're in eternity, this speck of time that we call life will seem like a blip on the radar screen. So we need to ask ourselves, in light of eternity and the brevity and the uncertainty of this life, am I managing what God has entrusted to me so as to be rich toward God? I told you this was going to be real popular for Sunday after Thanksgiving. See, when our priorities are messed up, we tend to pitch our tents in the wrong direction. We tend to move in the wrong direction. We tend to try to go places that we wouldn't go. We miss church services for work. Hello? Well, we got real quiet. We tend to take jobs that we, we would normally take because we think we got a chance of making more money. We don't care that it takes us away from Bible study and prayer and church. That, that doesn't even enter our thoughts. Come on, somebody. Come on. Somebody, somebody in here is dealing with these things. I, I'm just reminding us today. What is greed? Well, we understand greed is always wanting more and not keeping in mind eternal things and the things of God. So how should Christians view greed and wealth? It's a good question. Greed is a serious sin, according to the Bible. It's to be avoided. Wealth is a serious responsibility to do good. Paul says that greed is tantamount to idolatry and it brings about the wrath of God. Wow. <laughs> you didn't know that was such a serious subject, did you? Like, well, I just thought it was just, you know, kind of an issue. It's kind of a problem, but it's not really a sin. No. Uh, Paul says it's actually a sin and it brings the judgment of God. He warns in 1 Timothy 6 uh, that those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge them into ruin and destruction. And he says the love of money, not money itself because money is amoral. Money can be good or it can be bad. It's the love of money that is the root of all sorts of evil. Amen. And some by longing for I want more money. i got to have more money. I need more money. They have longed for it and they wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many griefs. Peter denounces uh, these false teachers who love worldly gain and he compares them actually to Balaam and he says that their hearts are trained in greed. That, that's really, when you think about it, Balaam had a problem. Now I know I'm jumping around. You guys are like Balaam and Peter and Paul and Jesus. Man, I'm, where are you preaching from today? I'm, I got the whole Bible, okay? We're just going to have the whole Bible in one Sunday. I'm just kidding. But Balaam's main issue is he was, he was being paid by a, a, a heathen king to try to destroy God's people, to try to curse God's people, and he wouldn't do it, but he wanted what the king was giving him. He had a problem of greed. And, and Peter says that there's false teachers who are out there. Mm, I wish I could preach in this house today. So that there's some false teachers that are out there that are telling people, you want to know how to be blessed? You just send in your seed offering. Come on. I wonder what, come on, I wonder what Peter and Paul would think about some of these people that are telling people that it's God's that's just to increase you and to bless you. Yeah, you know why God wants to bless you? He wants to bless you because He wants you to bless other people. If you're not ready to bless other people, if you don't want things for the right reason, then why should He bless you? And I don't care how much seed money you send in. If it's not sent in with the right motive, it's not right. Amen. Greed is a serious sin. Amen. So does that mean that we should take a vow of poverty, Pastor, and get rid of all of our possessions? How should we view wealth? 
Well, the Bible views wealth as a serious responsibility to do good. All wealth comes from God. It's a gift entrusted to us to be used properly for Him. We are free. We we are called stewards, right? That's what He calls us, stewards. That means it's really not ours. Oh, but I earned it. But who gave you the strength to earn it? Who endued you with the physical capabilities, the mental capabilities? Who endued you with those abilities? God. So everything that I have is God's. Everything that I am is God's. Amen. And we have been entrusted. We're free to enjoy without guilt the wealth that God bestows. But we're also stewards of it for Him. Paul counsels us uh, how to apply this. And he says, instruct those who are rich. This is what he says. Look, I'm not rich, so I'm instructing those who are rich. Okay, This is what he says. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. We are rich in comparison to most. Not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. who richly supplies with us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them, this is what he says, instruct them to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Wow. Thank you, Lord. The Bible views wealth as good, but dangerous. (laughs) It's like a loaded gun, you know? Think about it. If I'm in the woods and an angry bear is charging at me, a loaded gun is a good thing to have. Some of you Amen. don't faint. I'm not. I've never killed an animal, so there you go. But if there was a bear charging at me, especially if I was with my family and I had a loaded gun, right. there's no doubt in my mind what I would do. Yes, Amen. I would aim and shoot. Amen. But a loaded gun is always dangerous. It's always dangerous. That's why there's a lot of safety thing. A lot of people worried about gun safety. A loaded gun is dangerous in the hands of a five-year-old. Still loaded gun, the same loaded gun that can save you from the bear is dangerous in the hands of a five-year-old. Here's the point. If we are good stewards, if we are careful stewards of God's gift of wealth and we use it to promote His purposes, it's good. Mm-hmm. All right. That's right. Mm-hmm. But if we don't... Come on, somebody. You're, you're, you're getting too quiet on me. I'm worried. I'm worried I've lost you now. If we're deceived by our wealth and we, we don't really care about the things of God, our trust shifts from the Lord to our riches or we start to squander it on selfish living with you know not regarding the purposes of God for our life, our families, or those around us, then we're in danger of spiritual ruin. Amen. Right. That's what the Bible says. Greed's a serious sin. Wealth is to be used for God's purposes. To be used responsibly. Now for the convicting part of the message. Some of you are like, whoa, wait a second. Hold up, preacher. Number three. There are many signs of greed. Okay, Somebody said, how, how will I know if I'm greedy? There are many signs of greed. Uh, before we look at these signs, let me just warn you that we will need to be careful to judge ourselves and not other people. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 tells us all about that. It's easy to apply this to others and justify ourselves. But I need to remove the log from my eye. Come on. Hello. If you think that another Christian is being deceived by greed, your responsibility is to gently seek to restore him, Galatians 6.1. But we need to each stand before God someday, so we need to consider our own selves first. We need to face these matters personally and honestly at a heart level with him. 
But I assure you that I'm a fellow struggler with you. Uh, I want to just come clean. Some of these hard questions, it's a constant battle for me. Should we trade in our old car for a newer one? If so, how much should we spend? Should we enjoy a vacation in a nice hotel or should we do something real cheap? Do I need to get the latest gadget or you know, have the, you know, whatever the, the digital age is dangling in front of me? Should I set aside more uh, for the time when I can't work or should I give to the Lord's work now? Man, it's quiet. The problem is, while biblical principles do apply, there's no hard and fast rules to guide every situation as as it applies to our our finances and greed. For for example, Paul says, if I don't provide for my own family, then I'm worse than an unbeliever and I've denied the faith. So we've got to take that into consideration. Those are strong words. But I'm also commanded not to store up treasures on earth and rather, rather to seek first the kingdom of God. How do I balance that tension? Care, take care of my family or not store up treasures on earth? Here are some questions that I think might help. Number one, do I view my money and possessions as mine or God's? That's the basic stewardship question right there. Some of you, we could just stop right there, drop the mic, the service is over. Do, do you view your possessions and your money, are they yours or are they God's? This is how I view. This is how I view my possession. It's all God's. Amen. It's all His. A hundred percent of it is His. He only requires that I give ten percent to Him. Yes. Tithes. Yes. Now, over and above that, I should give offerings. Right? There should be some sort of percentage that I give a free will offering above my tithing because tithing is not what I choose to give. That that's just that's what He requires. Amen. It's quiet. Are, are my possessions, are they mine or are they His? They're His. They're all His. Like when I surrendered to God and I gave Him my life, I said it all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. So that way whenever things go bad, you know, like trees fall down on your house, God, what are you going to do about your house? You know? Trust is not working and saying, God, what are you going to do about your church? It's not my church. You know? Amen. I, I haven't seen what he's going to do yet, but I'm I'm hoping, I'm anticipating it's going to be awesome. Yes, yes. This is the stewardship question. We've got personal property rights, I get that. But there's got to be a fundamental sense that God owns everything that I have. Yes. I manage it for him and at the at the judgment, you know what I'm going to stand before God? I'm going to stand and I'm going to give him an account of how I managed his stuff. Think about that. Amen. Just think about that. Man, whoo. You 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 oh, God help us. Boy, when you're talking about material things, that's one thing. Then you start talking about the children that He gives us. Holy cow. There are days when I'm like, man, God, you're going to have to forgive me. I did not do a good job parenting today. There there are some days where I'm stressed out because I'm thinking, God, I've got to show these kids the right way. I've got to do the right thing. Why? Because I'm going to stand before God. Everything that God has given me belongs to Him. Amen. Amen. It's not mine. I'm just the manager. I'm just the steward. Number two, here's the second question, how you know you're greedy or not. If I knew that I were to die in one year, would I do anything different in my management of God's resources? Doctor says you got 12 months. Would you buy that item? Or would you give more to His cause? Would you spend more on sports, entertainment, whatever? I don't know. 
just think think about that. Twelve months. You only got twelve months to live. Then then what 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 that perspective brings to you at the end of the movie, uh, Schindler's List. The war is over. Mr. Schindler's leaving uh, the many Jews who who he saved by employing them in his munitions factory, and he spent his entire personal fortune to bribe German officials in order to save these people from the death chambers. But as he looks at them, he breaks down weeping and he laments, "I could have done more." They try to console him, but he points to his nice car and he says, I could have sold it and saved a few more lives. He points out an expensive fountain pen and, and watch and he says, these could have been sold to save another life. Schindler was not a Christian and he was not saving souls for eternity, but still, when we think of our Savior's commission to preach the Gospel to every creature, we all need to ask ourselves, in light of the brevity of life and eternity ahead, could I do more with what He has given me? Am I valuing souls above earthly things? You know, I... I if I rejoice... And I'm excited when I win a raffle or I win something, a door prize, whatever it is. How many of you get excited? They, they call your number, you're like, woo! Yes. But then you hear about a soul being saved and you're like, oh, yeah. Jesus does that. You've lost the eternal perspective. That's a sign of greed. When you can't get excited about the things of God, but man, you get excited when you get something free. Well... Number three question, how do you know you're greedy? Why do I want more money? Why do I want more money? It's a question about your motives. Do you want more money to be able to provide adequately for your family? That's a legitimate concern. But do I want more money to buy bigger and better stuff that I really don't need? Well, if so, you might be drifting into greed. Number four, am I more concerned about making money than I am about my eternal destiny? This is where Lot had an issue. Lot was like, I want to go where it's nice. I want to go where it's lush. I want to go where it's comfortable. The question that Jesus raised in the parable of the man who wanted bigger barns was this. He's laying up treasure for himself on earth, but he wasn't rich toward God. That's what the Scripture says. So it's not wrong if you are laying up stuff and storing up stuff and preparing for the future for your kids, your grandkids, building a legacy. That's fine. As long as you are rich toward God. Right. As long as it balances out and you are putting the kingdom of God first, then it's not wrong for you to save. In fact, it's wise for you to save. But you've got to understand it takes a lot of time and energy to earn a living. And there's nothing wrong with working hard and succeeding in your career. But if every waking moment of my life I'm consumed with how to succeed financially and I seldom think about how I can seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in my life, then I'm probably messed up with a little bit of greed in my life. How do I know if I'm greedy? Number five, what is the source of my security? Is it money or God? Be careful with this one, because we all know the right answer. (laughs) But what if all my things, what if all my bank accounts and everything was taken from me, as has happened to a lot of our brothers and sisters in the secret church, in the underground church? They have nothing. It all gets wiped out. Assets, money, they don't have anything. All they have is Jesus. Could you be like Job? Could you trust God if you lost everything? Some people, they, they trust God because things go well, but then when things don't go well, they start to question God. See, this I told you, you got to be careful with this one. 
if you lost everything today, if you didn't have security, if you, uh, you know, were, were going through and everything just got wiped out, would you still trust God? What's the source of your security? Number six, how much do I mourn the loss of money and things? If I'm considering buying something, how hard would it be for me to give this up later? My level of grief when I lose something is directly proportional to my emotional attachment to whatever that is. It's normal for us to grieve when we lose something of value, whether it's possessions or money. But if we're trusting in the Lord and recognizing everything that I have belongs to Him, we shouldn't be devastated. If we are, we might be a little greedy. Number seven, do I cling to my things or am I generous and ready to share? Um, well... This is good, right? This is the one that we just have to look at and say, okay, would I get excited, as excited about taking advantage of a strategic opportunity to give further to the Lord's work as I would with a greater investment opportunity that I knew was going to benefit me? Well... See, I Am Global. You know what I Am Global does? We give to I Am Global every year. You know what it does? It sends our missionaries back to the field faster, which saves the American church. It saves the missionaries. And it saves the people that are in those countries. It, it, it gives them a better return. Why? Because those missionaries aren't gone as long. So when we give to I Am Global, that's an awesome investment in the kingdom of God. I, I, I'm not, she's not here, but I'm going to brag on her just for a second. My mother at, at our uh, general conference this year, God laid it on her heart when they were doing the I Am Global offering to make a $1,000 pledge, $1,000 to be turned in by the first of the year. And uh, she looked at my dad, you know, the very generous man that my dad is, and she looked at my dad and said, said uh, I feel like God wants me to give $1,000, and, you know, I can do it with pumpkin rolls and cookies. And, and uh, so... My dad just looked, gave her the look, you know, the, okay. And then he handed her a pen. So she filled it out, and then she told me, I said, Mom, you know we already gave a big offering from the church for I Am Global, over a thousand, well over $1,000. I said, you, you, you know, she said, I just felt to do it. Thank you. I said, okay, Mother. She texted me yesterday. She said, I have, my, I have over $1,000 to turn in for I Am Global. That's, that's what I'm talking about. You've got to keep the things of God in mind. Amen? And so, when you see strategic opportunities to give to the kingdom of God, and you can uh, benefit the kingdom in various ways. Amen? Look at those as just as great or even better opportunities than anything that could personally benefit you. Number eight, do I com- compromise godly character or priorities in the, in the pursuit of making money? Am I so consumed with making money? You know, some things ought to count for far more than making money. God's reputation through my testimony as a Christian, you know, my relationship with Jesus Christ, a clear conscience, my relationship with my wife, with my children, with other people. If I sometimes cheat, lie, or steal to get ahead financially or to avoid loss, I'm being greedy. If I'm willing to shred relationships in order to take advantage of another person for financial gain, then I'm being greedy. If I care more about making money than being a witness for Jesus Christ, I'm being greedy. 
oh, I'm going to hit some of y'all where it hurts right now. When you're out in the restaurant and that waitress or waiter is not doing their very best job and you say, I don't have to give them a tip, shame on you. Amen. Shame on you. Everybody has a bad day. How are they going to know that you're one of Jesus' people? Because everybody in the world treats them like that. They don't do a good job. They stiff them. Don't leave them a good tip. Everybody's like that. But Jesus' people are supposed to be different. Right. Amen. I've heard I've heard people say to me, Christians say to me, I don't think I need to leave them anything because they've done a horrible job. Shame on you. You're greedy. Amen. Why? Why are you being greedy? Well, they, they have to work for it. No, 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 no. You don't understand. That's your opportunity. That's your opportunity to let them know about the Jesus in you. See, even when they're having a bad day, man, I'm telling you, I can tell you stories about times where, where people did not do a good job, and I'll tip them 25 or 30%. He say, "Man, why would you do that?" Because when they look at it, they I even had, I had one girl say to me, she goes, "I don't deserve this." I said, "Well, you know, God's good and he loves you." Amen. And she's like, "Really?" <laughs> yeah. Amen. And I said, I said, "So you're having a bad day. It'll get better." Yes. And she said, "It just did." <laughs> why? That's how that's how God works. It, you know, you can get frustrated and you can get irritated. And you, you've heard some of my stories about people that, that have done good and people that haven't done good when it comes to their relationships with people in the world. You've got to understand, if I compromise godly character and priorities in the pursuit of making money or keeping my money, then I'm greedy. Number nine, am I prone to get-rich-quick schemes? <coughs> Ugh, that one's even hard for me to say. If I feel myself being drawn to some easy, instant way to making a fortune, then I probably need to deal with my greed. This includes gambling. Hold on, buckle your seatbelt. Playing the lottery. I must admit that it can be very, very tempting, and I tease about it when the Powerball gets up into the hundreds of millions. I'm like, Jesus, that could pay for a lot of churches. You know, and I'm like, I'm not for playing the lottery, but if you win, pay your ties. Just, that's not nice. That's, that's wrong. We got to help the kingdom of God. But if you dream about winning Publishers Clearing House sweepstakes, my wife, she always asks me, did Ed McMahon come today? You know, when things get tight, she's like, is Ed McMahon here today? No, he didn't bring the check yet, honey. But, you know, why do I want to win? Ask yourself that. Why do I want to win? Uh, you know, be honest. Because if it's really so that you can give more or most of it to the Lord's work around the world, then, you know, that's not a bad motive, you know? If you want to give most of it away to, to churches and to help the kingdom of God go forward, man, guess what? Look out. You might get that blessing. Amen. If God can trust you, you, you might just get that blessing. But if it's just so I can be rich, right. Come on. or so that I don't have to depend on anybody anymore, and I, you know, then you're probably greedy. Mm-hmm. Last one. How do I know I'm being greedy? Am I in bondage to credit cards and debt? Now, I realize that there are some cases where debt is because people were out of work. Uh, there's unavoidable hardships. I'm not talking about that. I realize that there are times things don't go well. Uh, most people are, that are in debt are not in debt because they had a hardship or they, they got out of work or they lost their job. Most people who are in debt have a problem with overspending. 
Now, if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, you might want to tuck them under the seat. Because most of us are buying the advertising pitch that you need more junk to be happy. Now, they don't promote it as junk. They advertise it. I was in Costa Rica. I saw some advertisements. They were in Spanish, but I still knew what they were selling. <laughs> like, I couldn't understand every word, but I could, I could get enough to tell you what they were selling. That's a sign of greed. It's a sign of greed that we can, we, we can want things that we really don't need because, man, that would just make our life better. That would make our life more awesome. We would be uh, this high and other people would be down here. We could post it on our Instagram or our social media feed. And we could look awesome because... Well, that's overspending when you don't need the stuff. Well, I'm just going to be... I'm, it's, it's hard, but I'm going to be really honest with it. Sometimes we don't need... We even don't need all the food we buy. That's right. That's true. So true. Amen. Yikes. Now look, Pastor. Don't mess with my food. You can mess with <laughs> my spending on toys... And all that, but don't mess with my food. I'm not look. I'm, I'm not saying. For those of you that you 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 are are not on a real strict budget set, but I'm not saying this. But I'm saying when you spend and you put a lot of groceries on the credit card, are you with me? Yeah. Put groceries on the credit, and you really don't. You need two hundred dollars worth of groceries, but you buy four hundred dollars worth of groceries on the credit card. That's a problem. You're you're being greedy, and and you're going to pay for it. Right. Right. It's going to bring a lot of grief in your life. Amen. Because for months and months and months after you've eaten those groceries, mm-hmm. you're still going to be paying for them. Right. Right. You'd be better off to go on a diet. Right. I'm just saying, you would be better off to fast for five days. Amen. It would spiritually be better for you and Amen. for your pocketbook it would be much better. Okay, I'm going to move on, alright? But that's the test. You know, you could probably have more questions than this, but if I've uncovered any sources of greed or seeds of greed in your life, then consider the final question. This is the last point here. How can I deal with my greed? Well, Paul says I must radically separate myself from all greed, and it's got to begin at my thought level. Putting myself to death, that's no fun. With regard to greed means that I'm taking radical action to cut it out of my life, beginning on the thought level. And you, you could say, well, that sounds rather unpleasant, Pastor. I don't think I want to do that. Why would I do that? This is Paul's answer. Because you have died and been raised up with Christ. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then he, he talks about because the unfathomable riches of Christ, Ephesians 3 8, are more precious to you than all the riches that this world has to offer. Here is the treasure of the field for which you have sold everything to gain him. He is the pearl of great price, Matthew 13, 44 through 46. So, in light of having Christ and finding joy and contentment in everything that you will ever need, why are we still spending? I'll be glad when this one's done. Here's what we have to do. We have to change our thought patterns. We have to adopt the owner's priorities. You know, I've worked for several people over my life. One of the things that I have learned is if the boss doesn't want it, I don't do it. If the boss says this is how it's got to be, that's how it's got to be. I am just managing the boss's resource. So I worked at a fast food restaurant. I used to. I was trying to put on four pickles. He said, "Don't put on four pickles. Put on three pickles." Seriously, 
four pickles is better, you know? You got a big cheeseburger, four pickles is much better. And he's like, no, put on three pickles. And then I would I put on the ketchup and mustard. And sometimes I put on too much ketchup and mustard. I like a lot of ketchup and mustard. He, don't put on that ketchup and mustard. Man, that's too thick. And, he, and I would say, what's the big deal? And I, I asked him one time, I said, what's the big deal? Why? He said, well, number one, you're costing me money. And number two, it's sloppy and it's going to get all over them as they drive down the road. No, oh, okay, I never thought about it like that. So I changed my the way that I did things. I started doing it the way he wanted. Why? Because he had a specific uh, purpose for it. Now, when I get my things and I think I've got all this stuff and this is all my stuff, and then I realize I gave my life to God and it's all His stuff, then I got to start doing things the way He wants. Amen. So ask yourself, do I need more stuff? I mean, it might be really cool stuff. Man, I'm telling you, Apple puts out some really cool stuff. I'm sorry, Android, but they, they do. And, and it's incredible. And like some of the stuff that you can do that's out there, uh, it's just amazing. But it's so nifty, but you've got to release yourself from that stress. Do not put yourself in those pressure situations. Pray about major purchases before you purchase them. Get rid of all the needless stuff that you can and then seek to live as simply as possible. That excites me, Pastor. That's what I want to do. Thank you, Lord. Here's what you got to start with. Start with a budget. You might need to start with a budget. You might need to sit down and say, okay, I'm bringing in this much money every month and this much is going out. If more is going out than is coming in, might be a problem. It's going to be a problem very soon if it's not already. Uh, the second thing that I would say is learn to walk in the Spirit and so that the fruit of the, the self-control, that, that, you know, that fruit of the Spirit is balanced in your life. And, and so when you're like, oh, I would really like to have that, that self-control kicks in and says, you know what, I'm going to pray about this and sleep on it first. Mm-hmm. Not, where's my, where's my credit card? Right? Well, come on, impulse shoppers. Amen. Amen. I love all y'all. Don't look. I got I'm dealing with some of these struggles too. I, I told you I'm preaching to myself. But we have to rid ourselves of greed, and we have to make a faith commitment to live generously for the Lord's work. Giving is the is really. Listen, you know what giving to the kingdom of God is? It's the drain plug for greed. When you give freely to the kingdom of God and you start putting first the kingdom of God, then what it does, and you know that you're blessing missionaries, you know that you're doing good and and establishing churches, when you know that that's what your money is going for, you trust God, first of all, by giving off the top your your paycheck, you give that tithe, not something that's left over at the end of the month. You give God off the top of your paycheck, the first fruit, and then you give in a prayerful and a planned way rather than giving whenever you're pressured, like Pastor gets up, I need somebody give 50, somebody give 75. No, not like that, but you plan to give. You're like, man, I've got extra, I'm going to give it. I've I've budgeted enough that I've got more this month that I can give. Give when you, uh, give when, when, when it hurts a little bit. Give when there are other things that you could do with the money, but you joyfully sacrifice so that you can give to the Lord's work. I'm not, look, I'm not taking up an offering in here today, taking up an offering in the afternoon service. And you know what I'm taking up an offering for? You can give to it today if you want, but that's not why I'm preaching this. We, we need to get new gutters and soffit on this building. It's going to cost us about $2,500. We don't have $2,500 to, to make that happen. So 
If God leads you and you say, I don't know what to give to, just walk out back and see our gutters falling off the... Then you'll know that's what you can give to. It's just that easy, right? Wow, some of you didn't think I could apply that, but there it is. (laughs) Many people in this church give far more than 10%. But for most uh, American Christians, tithing becomes a cop-out from our responsibility to be good stewards of everything that God has given us. Kingdom priorities and careful stewardship, we can give far more than we think we can. If you say, well, I just made, if, I, if I just made some more, Pastor, I would give more money, you, you probably are fooling yourself. I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. But why not, get, why not just trust God and increase your percentage that you're giving to the kingdom of God now? When you get an increase in income, why don't you ask God, God, where do you want this increase in income to go? Rather than just, hey, I can afford more stuff now. Come on now, look, I'm calling you out because I know. I know how it is. Thank you. I'm closing. Thank you, Jesus. This is it. I'm done. Music comes so that they get faith and hope that I'm finished. <laughs> I will tell you the best lesson that I have ever read about greed was by a non-Christian. It's John Steinbeck's The Pearl. It's the story of the happy but poor pearl diver who dreams of finding, one day, finding the perfect pearl. And one day, he finds it. But rather than bringing him the happiness that he had hoped for, it brings him one problem after another. Because everyone is after his pearl. He almost gets killed. His son is killed. He and his wife are at odds. His formerly tranquil and peaceful life is totally upset because of all of his attempts just to cling to this pearl. Finally, he stands at the shore and he hurls this cursed pearl as far into the sea as he can. That's what we have to do with greed. We have to radically separate ourselves from it. I don't need all these things. I don't need all this stuff to be happy. I I have Jesus. I I don't need all the things that the world can offer. We have to put it to death because uh, it's the, the things, the Scripture says, because of those things, because of that greed, the wrath of God will come into our lives. Why? Because Paul even likens it to idolatry. And you you remember the Ten Commandments, right? That said, no other gods before me. And so when we put stuff and things above God in our life, it brings the judgment of God. Pastor, you know, I don't know what you're wanting me to do. I I really don't understand. I I don't really feel like I'm greedy. Well, I've I've given you several things to check on yourself. but, But this is what I would say. How can you live a more simple life than what you're living now? How can you advance the kingdom of God more than you're doing now? That needs to be your focus and not how much more can I get? How much more can I have? How much more can I, can I own? I, I know Lot was pointed in the wrong direction. And here's, here's what I'm closing with. Lot was pointed in the wrong direction. I really feel like with all my heart it was Lot's greed because he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. He knew it was going to be dangerous for him and his family, but yet he chose to take them in that direction anyways because he wanted to have better things. He wanted to have nicer stuff. He wanted his family to be in a more comfortable setting. I get it. I get it. I'm a a family guy. I, I get that. But what it started doing was corrupting his family. 
And before the whole story ends, it's a sad story. The kids aren't in here, so let me let me tell you how the story ends. The story ends with Lot walking out. He could not even get his married two daughters to go with him. His married two daughters and their husbands mocked him. Yes. Made fun of him. So he lost half of his children and whatever grandchildren he had and his sons-in-law. He lost them to, to Sodom. As they're walking out, the angel said, don't turn around, Lot. Don't, don't turn around. You guys got to look this way. Look forward. Don't, don't turn around. And Lot's wife, as she turns, and, I, and some people say she had a, a boyfriend or something. Maybe she was having an extramarital affair in Sodom. We don't know that. Uh, you know, it could have been that she was mourning the loss of her two married daughters and their, their and her grandchildren and she was looking back at I, I don't want to I don't miss my babies. I, I don't want to eat my babies back. It could have been anything. I don't know. It gets worse. I mean, yeah, a lot makes it out, but then his two unmarried daughters say, we gotta we gotta you know perpetuate this this family name. We gotta make sure the things get keep going. And so they, they get their father drunk and one night one of them gets pregnant by him, and the next night the other one gets pregnant by him. So he has incestual relationships with his daughters, and those are some of the most reprehensible people in the, the Old Testament that you read about. And you say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that it was greed that pushed him in that direction. It was not putting the things of God first. He should have said, Abraham. What do you want to do? What do you think we should do? Uh, how could we make this a good thing and not a bad thing? But he didn't. He looked at what he thought was going to be the better way. That's right. That's right. And here's the problem that I see. Not that Lot went towards Sodom. That was wrong. He should have caught that. But that when he went towards Sodom and things started happening, he didn't make any adjustments. That's right. You're right. You're right. So some of you, and I'm, I'm not, look, I'm preaching to all of us. Some of you, you might have. You, you might have moved in the wrong direction. But, but I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get down on you. I'm not trying to be hard on you for moving in the wrong direction or being in the wrong place today. This is what I'm saying. There's still time to make an adjustment. There's still time to adjust. So, so if you've been driven by greed and the things of life have been pulling you away from the things of God and work and your career and making money is more important than being in the house of God and doing Bible study and getting up every day and spending time with God. If you're dealing with some of those things, make an adjustment now. I'm telling some of you, you because you say it's not it's not really going to be bad i can i can deal with it i can handle it but can your family handle it come on lot made it out lot was okay but it destroyed his entire family oh pastor you're just being a little bit you know that that's a little harsh you say that i have to be in church every time the doors are open no i'm not saying that there's always times when people get sick and bad things happen but man if you're missing a lot of church because you're trying to make money. You're missing a lot of church because you got to do this or you got to do that. And the things of God are not as important to you. I mean, you wouldn't miss work for some of that stuff. Come on. Come on. Right. Well, right. I mean, I love camping. I love fishing. I love boating. I love four-wheeling. I love doing all those things. But you know what? Some things are not more important than the house of God. Amen. 
Some things are not more important than the things of God. I can't let anything pull me away. Amen. If I've started moving in the wrong direction, and some of you say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I just, I got to do this and I got to do that. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not getting down on you. Remember what I said. I'm saying if you're pointed in the wrong direction, if you're leaning toward those things and you're not putting the kingdom of God first in your life, make the adjustment today. Amen. Don't wait. Don't wait. I, I'm not trying to condemn you. Just don't wait. Because you don't know. Lot and his family are taken by a, by a heathen king. Abraham has to come and rescue him. You would think that was enough of a wake-up call, but it wasn't. Lot just stayed there. I mean, God's going to do everything He can to say, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Thank you, Lord. Come back this this, this is a better this is a better way. That way is going to be painful. Yeah, yeah. Didn't happen. <coughs> Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that this is not a comfortable message for me to preach in any way, shape, or form. But I'm trying to wake some of you up today. I'm trying to wake those of you that are watching online and you're too worried about Cyber Monday and Black Friday and you didn't even come to church today. I'm just I'm just trying to warn you. Yes. You gotta you gotta fix that. You gotta get that turn back in the right direction. Say, God, your kingdom first. That's what your that's what the word says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. Would you stand with me? Amen. I want to be what God wants me to be. I, I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. And I, I, I want to just say it one more time. If the things of this world and the things of uh, the, the, the greed that has hold of some of our hearts today, if it pulls us away, it could cost us our eternity and it's just not worth it. Anything. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to let's just get off of money for just a second. Anything that is above God in your priorities. It could be your family. It could be a relationship. It, it, it could be, uh, you know, a hobby that you have. I don't know. But anything that you say, you know what, I can sit down in the back burner for a little bit. And no, no. This is why it's just not worth it. Amen. It's just not worth it. You, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not promised the next day. What if you only had 12 months to live? Well, how would that change the way that you live and the way that you uh, have relationships with people? So today as I close, I want to just open up this altar to those of you today. You can pray right here. You can pray up here. You can pray at the seat. You can pray at your seat. Whatever. But I wonder if we could just examine where we are today and say, God, if greed is ruling in my heart, if there's something going on in me, then God, would you deal with me? Would you speak to me? Would you help me to turn my direction around and turn it back over to you? This afternoon, we'll have missionaries that are leaving. They're leaving their church. They're leaving their uh, family. They're leaving it, and they're going to Germany. Some of you are like, thank God. Germany needs more missionaries. I'm with you. Thank God. That's awesome. Let me ask you this. What if God asked you to do it? Somebody asked me the question at General Conference. They said, if God asked you to leave your churches and become a missionary, would you do it? I said, he'd have to speak audibly, but yes. I would. Why? Because my life belongs to God. I know that I'm not trying to make you nervous. I'm not looking to try to become a missionary. That don't, I love traveling, but I love coming home, all right? But I'm just saying, would you are, you, are you ready to put the kingdom of God first in everything? 
That's what I want you to ask yourself today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray and then I open up this altar. Jesus, in this place, God, there are those who are struggling, God. They, they've got things of this life that are pulling on them hard. They're, they're trying to pull them away from what you think is most important and what you want to be most important in their life. So today, God, I pray that you'd help us make the adjustment to turn things around. That we would give everything back to you and realize that we are just stewards of your grace in our lives. We are just stewards of all the possessions and all the, the material things that you give us on a regular basis. God, you give us all good and perfect things. You give us so many things to be thankful and grateful for. And God, today, I, I, just, I, I just feel you challenging us to give back to simplicity and to put the kingdom of God first in our lives. God, because greed in our life is just not worth it. It's not going to take us where we want to go. Help us, God, today as we surrender our lives again, fresh and new to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open.